We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the financial physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, anything that affects your financial life and if you want to be part of the program, ask any question, any comment on any money matter, 866-472-5788 is our call number. It's great to be back live with you. Um, the last two weeks, unfortunately, I was traveling on Monday morning. Uh, I was flying somewhere, so I could not do the show, and there was really no way around it, so we uh, had to run uh, a couple of uh, repeats, and hopefully uh, you endured them, but we're back live with you today. It's... Uh, what, July 22nd, Monday morning, 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and we get together each and every Monday at that time uh, to come to you with some hopefully interesting and informative financial information. Now, the first Monday, two weeks ago, uh, I was traveling to Chicago uh, to go to a meeting with a man named Jim Sinclair. Now, Jim Sinclair, very well-known guy in the markets. Uh, he's known as Mr. Gold. He uh, is an expert at the gold market. Uh, his father was a legendary trader on Wall Street, and he worked for his father for a long time. And back in the 1970s, late 70s, early 80s, he, uh, he was involved with the Hunt brothers, uh, helping them unwind their silver position when they cornered the market and then later got destroyed. So Jim Sinclair, 72 years old, has a free, excellent website, uh, which is JS Mindset, M-I-N-E-S-E-T, JS Mindset. Dot com And he has a free website where he has a blog and he talks about what's going on in the gold market. And he has been incredibly correct uh, uh, in the price of gold. Not in the short-term movements of it, but you know, he came back into the gold market after exiting it uh, in the early 80s saying it was a dead commodity for a while. Came back in, I think right around 1998 when gold was $300 an ounce. And at that point, started saying that gold was going to go to uh, levels that nobody at the time thought possible. $1,200 an ounce, $1,650 an ounce, $1,900 an ounce. And obviously, he was correct in that. 
uh, and he's giving uh, presentations around the world and uh, telling people about what he thinks is going on with the financial system and what ultimately is uh, different ways to protect yourself. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to fly to Chicago and I'm going to sit in on one of these Q&A meetings. And, and, and it was amazing. Uh, he had over a thousand people in the room. I mean, this guy has a following. He had a thousand people in the room and he spent four hours taking people's questions. And you would think that a four-hour presentation would be boring. You want to get out of there. Uh, I was riveted by it. I was absolutely riveted by it. And uh, it's something I think every American needs to hear. And unfortunately, very few will and very few understand what's going on. And, and the main thing that he said, to start it off, he said that Western finance is a black hole. Well, what did he mean by that? He's saying that banks are hiding losses on their derivative books. And that the, the, the Federal Accounting Standard Boards and uh, the Bureau um, the, and other organizations, but mainly FASB, is allowing these banks to, to, to value loans and derivative contracts at what they think they'll be worth in the future. Not what they're worth now. They're not marking them to market. And this happened back, back in 2009, and it was done to mask the financial situation in the banking system. And it's pretty nice to be able to say that your assets are worth whatever you want it to be when it's not. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, my stock's a dollar a share, but I think it's going to be worth $20 a share. So uh, when I go to get a loan, I want to tell my banker that uh, my stock is worth $20 a share. It doesn't work that way in the real world. But in the world of banking, it does work that way. And he said that there's over a quadrillion dollars worth of derivatives in the world. Now, what's a quadrillion? It's, it's a thousand trillion. And he said if just 10% of those derivatives are bad, and he believes it's more like 30, 40, or 50%, then $100 trillion is lost in the banking system. And that all banks are pretty much tied together. They're like dominoes. If one big bank fails, it's going to bring the other ones down. And he said that no money is safe in the bank. And he said what happened in Cyprus, the bail-in at Cyprus, where people who had uh, over 100,000 euros in their bank accounts basically lost it. He said that is the template going forward for all Western banks. That the next time the too big to banks fail, it's not going to be a bailout by taxpayers. It's going to be a bail-in by depositors. And he says, don't trust that the $250,000 uh, SIPC insurance will hold. He says he doesn't think so. Why? Because there's very little money in FDIC compared to the $7 trillion in assets and banks. So if we had a systemic failure where we have a major bank failing and other major banks failing behind it, the FDIC would quickly be insolvent. And at that point, they could change the rules to whatever they want. They could say, well, uh, you know, we're only going to uh, protect $50,000 in each account. And everything above that is gone. Or, just as bad, the Federal Reserve can print trillions of dollars, give it to the FDIC, and bail out everybody with worthless paper. And uh, his view is that certainly central banks can't create $100 trillion if 10% of derivatives are bad. And he said, don't trust the guarantees. Not only in the FDIC, in your brokerage account. You know, your shares, when you buy stock, and it's in your brokerage account, you buy 100 shares on IBM, those shares are not in your brokerage account. Those shares are in the name of the broker in what's called street name. 
And he says a systemic failure of the system. That stock is really the asset of the brokerage firm. Although you see it on your statement every month, it's really not yours until you sell it and get the money out. And a systemic failure of the banking system would mean also a systemic failure of the brokerage system. And he said that your money's at risk there as well. And his view is that you have to get out of the system. What does that mean? His view is that keep as little money as banks as you need to transact business and pay your bills. And he means you should get your brokerage accounts, you know, all your stocks registered directly in your name, not in street name. And he was also of the belief that, you know, the government's going to come after our IRAs and 401ks. And his view is that you're better off taking the money out, paying the taxes and penalties, and putting it in gold. Now, I'm not there yet. People have asked me that on this radio program and, and my clients, if that's the case. I, I don't, I'm not there yet. I know there's some, been some talk about it in Congress of possible government annuities and things like that. But we're so far away from that right now that there's no reason to take action at this point. Now, that may change. That may change, and I may give you different advice in the future. But right now, I am not there. Now, he says your bank statements are not real. He said if your bank statement shows you have $1,000 in that bank, you most likely only have 200 What do you mean by that? Meaning that the real losses in the bank, if they were to realize them, means there's only 20 cents on a dollar for each deposit. And he says, you know, we've come to believe, you know, that the system will always be the way it was, that it'll function right. That your money will always be there. It will be safe. It will be SIPC insured. We've come to expect that. He says, but in the systemic financial crisis, which is coming, and I agree with him that it is coming, uh, it will make 2008 look like a, a walk through the park. Now, the Fed came out you know, in June and Brent Bernanke came out and suggested that in the future, maybe later this year, maybe next year, that the Fed may cut back on their quantitative easing. And that sent the bond market into a tizzy, brought the stock market down. And Jim Sinclair says that QE will go on to infinity. He said it must go on. Until, though, the dollar index drops to 72. Right now, it's about 83. Not that far away. But if the dollar starts falling like a rock, which ultimately he says it will, and I agree. right? Once we hit 72, the Fed's going to have to think about whether or not they can continue to print money. While uh, bonds are being sold off, the dollars being sold off, and inflation starts entering the economy. And stopping quantitative easing is going to expose the, the derivative losses, and that's what would cause uh, the systemic failure. So the Fed has very few choices here. And you see that um, the bond market went down hard. The 10-year Treasury bond in June uh, in just a few weeks went from 1.6% to 2.7% which is an incredible percent increase in interest rates, which also causes all kinds of derivative problems because most derivatives, over half of them, have to do with interest rate swaps. It's ways of insuring against moves in the interest rates. And just realize there's always a party or a loser and there's a party or a winner on these derivatives. The party that's the loser, the bank that's the loser, is at risk of going under. And, uh, and that's the big problem here. And uh, he was asked, you know, what's the best currency to hold? And he basically said none, that all Western currencies are fiat being printed, backed by nothing, and ultimately will crash. But he said if you're going to hold one currency, it would be yuan, the Chinese renminbi. 
And he also went on to say, you know, we, people were asking him questions about the current gold market, the big smash that we saw in April and the smash that we saw uh, in uh, June. And he says this is coordinated by the bullion banks who are major short to, uh, to uh, try to cover their shorts at lower prices. They bang the COMEX market with futures contracts, causing more selling and more selling. And we saw a major decline from about 1600 down to as low as 1180 a few weeks ago, which has allowed these bullion banks to cover their short positions at very nice profits and now start to go long because they see what's coming down the pike. They played the game as long as they could, and now they're going to get on the side of the longs. So they could ride up gold when all hell breaks loose. Another thing he said, if you have ETFs in gold, you have nothing. He said, if the ETF, the gold ETF, GLD or SLV, uh, is trading at a discount to the spot price of the metal, they don't have the metal. He says, if they're trading very close to the, the spot price of gold and silver, then they do have it, most probably. And if they're trading at a premium, they definitely have it. So be very careful with ETFs when it comes to gold. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you where he thinks uh, gold is going. A very, very interesting meeting. I'm so glad I went. I spent the four hours with what I, what I consider to be a, a genius when it comes to the, the gold market and the financial markets. And on the other side of the break, I'll tell you where he thinks gold is going. Okay, we're going to take a short break. 866-472-5788 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to the Financial Physician right here on VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. 
All right, before the break, we were talking about uh, my um, my meeting uh, that I attended with Jim Sinclair, um, well-known if you're in the gold market and you're a gold bug, and uh, everybody knows who Jim Sinclair is, has a great website, jsmindset.com, J-S-M-I-N-E-S-E-T.com. I highly recommend you visit it. It's a, a free website, and, and Jim does all this stuff for free. I mean, he also runs a gold mining company, but at 72, he is given of himself. Uh, he charges a nominal cost, you know, uh, for these talks he's doing around the world just to pay for his overhead. And, uh, and his, uh, his website's free for anybody who wants to go there. And I'm telling you, you should go there each and every day and read what he puts there, his, the articles he posts and his commentary and so forth. And um, we were saying before the break that he said to get out of the system that there's going to be a systemic crash of the banking and financial system. He didn't know when exactly, but he thought it was sooner rather than later. And that uh, the new model uh, for banks that, that go under is the bail-in where depositors lose money, not taxpayers. The bail-out like we saw in 2008. That There's no way that uh, bail-outs are going to go forward anymore. Taxpayers won't tolerate it. And his point is to keep a minimal amount of money in a bank. And he said, if you're going to be in a bank, why not be in community banks? These local banks that don't have the derivatives that, that these big banks have, they're not too big to fail. I know the president of a local community bank, and uh, he told me how diligent they are in their underwriting of loans and so forth. And there's no derivatives and whatnot, and uh, uh, that he has very, very few delinquencies. And that's the way community banks operate. Also, credit unions are a good alternative as well. But if you have money in any bank that was bailed out, Jim says, uh, which is most of them, and he put a list on his website. I mean, if it's a big name, it's been bailed out in 2008-2009. Whether it's uh, Citigroup, uh, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, PNC Bank, and I'm sure there's others that I, I don't recall right now. But all the biggies. All the biggies. And you don't have to do business at a big bank. You can do business at a local community bank. It's the same thing. You can have online access to your accounts, bill paying, the whole thing, without being exposed uh, to the derivative time bomb that's going to go off. And his big belief is that you should have as much gold and some silver as you possibly can hold because that's the only thing that's going to maintain its value. Now, he talked about price levels, and he thinks that relatively short term, within the next year, that we're going to see $3,500 an ounce on gold. It's 1300 on an ounce this morning. As a matter of fact, as I speak, uh, gold's up uh, off its lows. It low bottomed out about 1180 um, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and we're at 1320 as we speak. Now, this was an orchestrated takedown of gold, as I said before. Out of nowhere, tons of gold hit the COMEX market, paper gold, uh, and uh, crushed the price. Meanwhile, in the physical market, we have unprecedented demand. People are calling up with this price discount and you know, all over the world trying to get gold and silver and finding it hard to get it. And gold's the only market in the world where we'll see supplies go down, demand skyrocket, and see the price decline. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. But the paper market on the COMEX rules. And they're able to sell tons and tons of paper gold, depressing the COMEX price, when really no gold's being sold. On the contrary, gold is being bought. And I talked to some gold dealers that I work with. They say for every one gold coin, one ounce being sold, 25 is being bought. 
So we're not seeing gold being sold, not real gold anyway. And his view is that we may ultimately see $50,000 an ounce on gold. Now that's really out there. But his view is that ultimately once this whole thing collapses, that um, there's going to be a great reset. And currencies then will use gold as a backing and it will be repriced at extremely high levels. Because think about it, if gold's repriced at $50,000 an ounce, well, central banks supposedly have gold uh, as their reserves. Now, all of a sudden, their currency is backed significantly in dollar terms. Now, he also says currencies will not be convertible into gold. Like if you have a $100 bill, you can't get $100 worth of gold and convert it like the old days when Federal Reserve notes allowed you to do that. But he, he says that currencies will have a gold necklace on them, meaning have some backing. Because right now, currencies have no backing. They have none at all. Now, when the, uh, the Fed came out and stated that um, they may start tapering, this is the quote-unquote word of the day, tapering their money printing and bond buying. Not say, They're not saying ending it. They're saying just tapering it. Still printing money, but maybe not $85 billion a month. It made the bond market and the stock market go nuts. That shows you how addicted the markets are to the stimulus that the Fed has provided. And it's had a great effect. It's kept interest rates down for the last five years. It's kept mortgage rates down. We've had historically low mortgage rates, 3.5%. The 10-year bond yield was about 1.5%. Now, savers have been penalized. Savers get no interest on their money. And I feel bad for, for poor seniors out there that were hoping to get 5% interest on their money, on their savings, so they could live in their retirement years. They're the ones who've uh, really taken hit for what Bernanke has done. But what happened was when he said that, the bond market dropped and yields rose uh, to 2.7% from one6 in just a few weeks, a major move in interest rates. And I think what was happening is bond speculators, namely the big Wall Street firms, were testing the Fed. J.P. Morgan and Goldman, they don't want to see interest rates go up. This is the gravy train for them. They're making money hand over fist. And um, it looks like uh, the central banks had to take a stand. And he came out and he, he, he walked it back. Fed, go Fed governors came out and basically said, including Bernanke, that, whoa, 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 we're not going to do anything soon. The economy doesn't look that good. Now, Jim Sinclair also says, look, there's no way Ben Bernanke is going to start tightening or tapering off QE. He wants to go out. You know, Bernanke's out in January. He's done, if not sooner. Now, back, Bernanke wants to walk out. He doesn't want to be carried out due to the stock and bond market crashing because of something he said or did. And uh, I feel bad for who the next Fed chairman is going to be because they're going to really walk into it. Bernanke's going to be able to get out of here and say, you know what, Bernanke came in, printed money like crazy, supported the markets, bailed out everybody, and kept the system together. As soon as Bernanke left and the new person came in, everything fell apart. Because there's no way the new person is going to be able to continue at this rate printing 85,000 millions of dollars a month. And that's what $85 billion is. And I say it every week on this program because I want you to know. $85 billion a month is what's being created out of thin air. 
and uh, the Fed's using that money to buy bonds, treasury bonds, and garbage mortgage securities from the big investment houses, the Merrill Lynch's, the, the, the Goldman Sachs's, the J.P. Morgan's, who are more than happy to jump to sell their junk to the Fed. And they're taking that money. Some of it goes into the stock market. A lot of it's going back to the Fed as excess reserves, and the Fed's paying them a quarter of a percent interest on money that they just gave them. So it's a no-risk uh, money-making thing for the big banks. While little of that money is finding its way into the economy, they're not lending it out because there's another risk out there to do that. And uh, talking about the paper market, the COMEX market, what we're seeing happen now is people are taking delivery of their gold. You know, typically in a futures market, what you do is you, you buy 1,000 ounces of gold at $1,300 an ounce in the hope that by the time the contract expires, it'll be worth $1,400 or more, and you'll make that $100 per ounce profit. Obviously, if the gold market goes down against you, you lose. But not that many investors actually say, you know what? I don't want to just settle for cash. I want the 1,000 ounces of gold that you uh, uh, have to give me. And the counterparty on that has to deliver that 1,000 ounces of gold, and it comes from the COMEX warehouse. Well, the COMEX warehouses have been depleting at accelerating rates. I mean, breathtaking rates, actually. The amount of gold in the, the COMEX has fallen substantially to record lows as people are taking delivery because they know that they may never get it. And ultimately, what will happen is the COMEX will default. It will say, you know what? We can't deliver the gold because we don't have it, but we'll settle it for cash. And that will be the end of the COMEX exchange. And now we'll have the physical market as the market for price discovery. And he calls this the emancipation of gold from paper. And another thing that he believes is that uh, it's the Chinese that are out there buying up all this gold. They don't want U.S. Treasury bonds. They want gold. And they've been continuing to buy gold. And lastly, what he said is that um, it, may make, uh, it may make sense to uh, get a permanent residency permit in another country. That's how bad things can get here. Now, to do that, you have to make an investment in that country. I don't know how much it is. It varies by country. And you want a type A, automatic renewal one. And you have an option to move. You're not, you're not renouncing your citizenship in the United States. You just have the ability to go somewhere and stay as long as you want. Continue to renew it and have the option to move. Now, he says he's not moving because his family's here and stuff. And at 72 years old, uh, you know, he wouldn't do that unless he took everybody with him. Uh, but it was an amazing, amazing um, meeting as far as I was concerned. And again, for me, an ADD guy who uh, his attention span isn't that great, uh, to sit through there for four hours straight. We took a break, obviously, halfway through. Uh, you know, it was unusual. But that's how riveting it was, at least to somebody like me. And uh, I didn't see many people leave. I mean, we're all like-minded individuals. We all believe that we're going down the tubes that inflation, hyperinflation is, is coming and that uh, precious metals are manipulated, but we're going to see sky-high prices in the not-too-distant future and that hard assets are the place to be. And the bottom line to it is he says that's it. You know, you got to get out of the system and have your money or at least a good portion, whatever percent you're comfortable with, in gold and silver, which will be your savior. And he said without gold and silver, many, many people in the Western world are going to lose their wealth. 
And uh, I agree with them. I mean, we're starting to see cracks now. And it's hard to reconcile when you see the stock market at record highs to think that the system could come unglued this fall, if not sooner. And we'll talk on the other side of the break, the cracks that we're starting to see in the economy. And one of the, I think one of the most elusive, um, uh, one of the most interesting and, and probably uh, chilling and scary news we saw last week was uh, Detroit announcing bankruptcy. And I think we're going to see more of that uh, in the coming months and years in the United States of America. And the ramifications of that are huge. And we'll talk about that. On the other side of the break, 866-472-5788 is our phone number. We take any question, any comment on any money matter here on The Financial Position. We're going to take a short break. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luz Katigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back to this thing of ours called The Financial Physician, where we get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East, uh, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and always archived at uh, thefinancialphysician.com or voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel. And uh, we're talking about, you know, we said at the, the, the rejoiner that uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly we talk about here on the Financial Physician. And there's a lot of ugly out there. And we, we were talking about uh, my meeting with Jim Sinclair a couple of weeks ago and uh, how I walked away pretty depressed, actually. I mean, you know. Uh, you know, if you're a gold and silver investor, you know you're happy that you know there's a chance that you're going to make a lot of money in that market. But, but at what price? I mean, uh, you know, I often tell people that I I don't want my gold to be worth um, five thousand dollars an ounce. Why not? 
well, I don't want to live in that world. That's a world of uh, civil unrest, hyperinflation, food shortages, martial law, who knows? And I always look at gold as, as financial life insurance. Hope I never need it, but if I do need it, I'm glad I have it. And that's why all of us need to look at precious metals. Not as a, an investment or a speculation, but as insurance against financial collapse, hyperinflation. And, you know, nobody's going to get rich in gold and silver. No, they're going to preserve their wealth while everybody else is losing theirs. And that's the purpose of gold and silver. Now, speaking about ugly, you know, we've been talking a long time about, you know, the coming municipal defaults and bankruptcies that are coming. And uh, on Friday, I think Thursday or Friday, Detroit announced that they're filing Chapter 9 bankruptcy. And, and it, it's, it's so sad to see, you know, one of America's greatest cities die like it's dying. You know, once upon a, a time, Detroit was a, a very successful city. It had 1.8 million people, and it had the highest per capita income in the United States. Why? Because of the thriving auto industry. Now, it's, it's, it's a rotting hellhole. There's about, only about 700,000 people, and it's the butt of jokes all the time. It has been for years. And this is going to be the largest municipal bankruptcy in the history of the United States, by far. By far. Now, on Friday, it was stopped, at least temporarily, by um, a judge. Uh, th this is kind of strange. This judge ruled that Detroit's bankruptcy... Um, filing violates the Michigan Constitution because it would result in reduced pension payments for retired workers. Now, I don't know how that violates the Constitution. She also stated that Detroit's bankruptcy filing was, quote, also not honoring the president who took Detroit's auto companies out of bankruptcy, unquote. What? Not honoring the president? God, what happened to this country? I don't really know. And she ordered that, that a copy of her judgment be sent to the king, Barack Obama. Now, how, quote-unquote, honoring the president has anything to do with the bankruptcy of Detroit is uh, kind of a mystery to me. Uh, but for sure, there's going to be legal um, wrangling for a long time here. But the bottom line is Detroit is from, uh, flat broke. They're $20 billion in debt. And... Uh, the Economic Collapse blog, a uh, blog I, I read a lot, a lot of great information there. They put together 25 facts about Detroit that shows how dire the situation is. Let's read some of them. Today, the city of Detroit owes money to more than 100,000 creditors. As I said before, Detroit is facing $20 billion in debt and unfunded liabilities. And that breaks down to more than 25000 per resident. Now, back in 1960, the city of Detroit actually had the highest per capita income in the entire nation. I said that before. In 1950, there were about 296,000 manufacturing jobs in Detroit. Today, there's less than 27,000. Now, the auto industry has come back, and you would think that there would be more than 27,000 jobs there, but there's not. Between two, uh, December 2000 and December 2010, 48% of the manufacturing jobs in the state of Michigan were lost. Half in 10 years. 
there are lots of houses available for sale in Detroit right now. If you have five hundred dollars or less, can you imagine it. You can buy a house for five hundred dollars or less, thousands. There are approximately seventy-eight thousand abandoned homes in Detroit. Seventy-eight thousand. About one third of Detroit's one hundred and four forty square miles is either vacant or derelict. An astounding 47% of residents of the city of Detroit are functionally illiterate. Less than half the residents of Detroit over the age of 16 are working. 50% unemployment. If you can believe it, 60% of all children in the city of Detroit are living in poverty. 60%! Detroit was once the fourth largest city in the United States, but over the past 60 years, the population of Detroit has fallen by 63%. As people have been trying to get the hell out of there. The city of Detroit is now heavily dependent on tax revenue it pulls from the casinos in the city. Right now, Detroit is bringing in about $11 million a month in tax revenue from casinos. And they need every bit of that. There are 70 Superfund hazardous waste sites in Detroit. 40% of the street lights do not work. Now we start getting into some statistics that really just kind of blew my mind. Only about a third of the ambulances in the city are running. Some ambulances in the city of Detroit have been used for so long that they have more than 250,000 miles on them. Two-thirds of the parks in Detroit have been permanently closed down since 2008. Two-thirds. If they're closed down, you can only imagine what they look like. The size of the police force in Detroit has been cut by about 40% over the past decade. And when you call the police in Detroit, it takes them an average of 58 minutes to respond. Oh, that's, that's real good. You know, you have somebody breaking into your house, you call them 911, they say, we'll be there in an hour. Are you kidding me? Due to budget cutbacks, most police stations in Detroit are now closed to the public for 16 hours a day. Now, of course, with all these cutbacks in police, the violent crime rate in Detroit is five times higher than the national average. And the murder rate in Detroit is 11 times higher than New York City. It is truly a dangerous place to be. Today, police solve less than 10% of the crimes that are, not committed, that are committed in Detroit. 90% are never solved. What do you want? The police get there an hour later. They don't know what's going on. Crime has gotten so bad in Detroit that even the police are telling people to, quote, enter Detroit at your own risk. Sounds like a movie, you know. It's, like, it's going to point, uh, it's easy to go to point, uh, it's easy to point figures and mock Detroit, but the truth is that the rest of America is going down the exact same path that Detroit has gone. Detroit just got there first, and Detroit's only the beginning. We're going to see this in other cities, especially when the next financial crisis hits. And the big problem is unions. That's what's happened here. The public service unions uh, for the big cities have basically robbed them blind. And look, I have a lot of friends that are in unions. I understand how, how people will send me emails and vitriol and all that. But look, why is it that public workers get pensions but private workers do not? I don't understand why a public worker deserves a pension but a private worker for a corporation does not. 
well, that's because the money comes from the corporation and they're not going to hire you if they have to give you a, uh, a pension. But the unions got the politicians in their back pocket because they want their votes. And they've basically looted the cities. And that's what it comes down to. The major cities in this country are Democrat. The unions are Democrat. And they put in their people who give them the goodies. So, I mean, you know, you could be a police officer in any of these cities or a fireman or garbage truck worker or teacher and retire at 55. Get a nice, expensive pension and health benefits for the rest of your life. That's when you're 55. People live to 90 to 95 right now. We're talking about 40 years worth of the city writing checks every month to pensioners and covering all their health benefits. All of them. And that has bankrupt Detroit and it's bankrupt other major cities in the United States. And if not now, it's going to happen in the relative near future. And, you know, of course, everybody's up in arms in Detroit because pensioners are going to lose part of their pension. There's no money there. There's no money there. And if there's no money there, you can't write the check every month. And at the same time, people are fleeing Detroit and moving elsewhere. Who would want to live in, a, in the city of Detroit with all those facts that I just gave you? An hour for police to respond to a 911 call? 40% of the street lights out? 11 times the murder rate of New York City? Not only are people fleeing like crazy and the population is dropping, which causes more stress on tax revenues, why would anybody move there? Now, maybe they could, by going bankrupt, they could start over. Maybe they can go start reversing this stuff. But the price to pay is going to be the pensioners. They're the ones. That, more than half the liabilities of, of the city are, are that, pensions and health care. The other half of the liabilities are bondholders. And being a municipal bondholder in 2013 America is one of the most risky things you can do for two reasons. Interest rates are going to go up in this country in the years ahead, which means bond prices are going to drop dramatically. And number two, there's a risk of default. There's the risk of bankruptcy and losing your money, which is now starting to push interest rates up in the municipal bond market, which puts more stress on the city governments because they have to pay more interest service. So it's a really bad mix. And this Detroit thing here is the beginning, as I said. And it's sad to watch. It's sad to watch America's great cities under such financial pressure that they need to declare Chapter 9 bankruptcy. And we all need to keep an eye on Detroit and see how this is dealt with. Is the federal government going to bail them out? There's talks there. All these pensioners and unions are, are turning to uh, Uncle Sam and saying, hey, help us. And this president is known to help the unions. He bailed out the automakers and uh, uh, the auto workers unions. But I think it's a slippery slope. If he starts bailing out Detroit, the U.S. government's going to set the precedent to bail out all the cities down the line. And uh, with $17 trillion in debt, uh, uh, that's a, a dangerous situation as well. All right, take another short break. One more sec segment le left in the program. You're listening to The Financial Physician. I'm Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. News. News. Opinion. 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 
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. Okay, welcome back. I'm Luz Katigna. get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 a.m. on the West Coast to talk money, markets, and politics, and and uh, take your phone calls if interested, 866-472-5788. want to remind you about my website, thefinancialphysician.com. On the website, we uh, archive this radio program for the last um, six weeks or so. We also have uh, my active blog where I, I, I can't cover everything uh, that's going on uh, in one hour a week here. Uh, but I do cover a lot of stuff on my blog uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. We also have other goodies on there, um, the pilot to my reality TV show that we're, we're marketing right now and all kinds of other good goodies there. That's the thefinancialphysician.com. And uh, I'm also author of the book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and boost your financial health. It's available on Amazon.com, and it is a no-nonsense, easy-to-read, straightforward, soup-to-nuts financial advice book. How to live your life right financially, how to get ahead, how to build net worth, and the mistakes that Americans make, and they're big mistakes, and the reasons why the average American has little or no net worth. Buying new cars every three or four years, buying houses they can't afford, not saving for retirement early enough, not investing properly, not doing the proper estate planning. We gave you all tips, everything you need to do to put your life on the right track, at least financially, and to restore your financial health. That's a financial physician, how to cure your money problems, boost your financial health available, Amazon, uh, wherever books are, are sold uh, on the Internet. And I think the last I looked, it was $11 on Amazon. 
It's one of the best books you'll ever buy. The best eleven dollars. I'll tell you, it's the best eleven dollars you'll ever spend. Just a chapter on how to buy a car right is worth multiples of eleven dollars. All right, one of the big financial issues that we're dealing with now is Obamacare implementation. You know, uh, this, this Obamacare is turning out to be a train wreck. And the government knows it, and that's the reason why uh, they announced a couple of weeks ago that they are extending the deadline for uh, employers to insure their employees or face a fine, at least a year. Now, the individual mandate wasn't extended, just the corporate mandate. And that's caused a lot of people in Congress to say, hey, wait a second. You, know, you can't give corporations a pass but force individuals and middle-class people to go out and buy health insurance. And last week, the House of Representatives passed a bill uh, delaying uh, the individual mandate as well. But it will die there because uh, the Harry Reid-controlled Senate won't even act upon it, won't even talk about it, won't even bring it to a vote. And this Obamacare, by the government's own admission, is a big problem. And many people don't realize how big a problem it really is. And now it's come out that um, Obamacare, the big brother database of Obamacare, is worse than the whole NSA surveillance thing that's going on. Uh, an article recently came out by a guy named James Robbins, who's uh, the deputy editor of a, a website called Rare. And he states here, would you trust thousands of low-level federal bureaucrats and contractors with one-touch access to your private financial and medical information. Under Obamacare, you won't have any choice. As the Obamacare train wreck begins to gather steam, and everybody's calling it a train wreck. It's not just me. There is increasing, that's the word that's being used, train wreck. There's an increasing concern in Congress over something called the Federal Data Services Hub. The Data Hub is a comprehensive database of personal information being established by the Department of Health and Human Services to implement the federally facilitated health insurance exchanges, which is having all kinds of problems setting these things up, too. The purpose of the Data Hub, according to the June 2013 Government Accountability Office, the GAO, is uh, to provide, quote, electronic near real-time access to federal data and access to state and third-party data sources needed to verify consumer eligibility information, whatever that means. In these days of secret domestic surveillance by the intelligence community, rogue IRS officials and state tax agencies using private information for political purposes and police electronically logging every license plate that passes by the idea of centralized data hub is making lawmakers and citizens nervous. We'll talk about that watching your, your, your logging in your, your, your license plates, try to follow you, see where you're going all the time. That's a whole other big brother kind of thing. And people should be nervous because uh, the, the potential for abuse is enormous. The massive centralized database will include comprehensive personal information such as income and financial data, family size, citizenship and immigration status, incarceration status, social security numbers, and private health information. It will compile dossiers based on information obtained from the IRS, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, the Veterans Administration, the Office of Personnel Management, the Social Security Administration, state Medicaid databases, and for some reason, the Peace Corps. Peace Corps. 
The Data Hub will provide, I sound like Obama on that one, the Peace Corps, uh, Peace Corps. The Data Hub will provide web-based one-stop shopping for prying into people's personal affairs. Not to fear, HSS says, uh, the Data Hub will be completely secure. Really? Secure like all the information has been made public uh, in the WikiLeaks era? These days, no government agency can realistically claim that private information will be kept private, especially when it's being made so accessible. Putting everyone's personal information in one place only simplifies the challenge for those looking to hack into the system. However, the hacker threat is the least of the data hub worries. The hub will be used on a daily basis by so-called navigators, which according to the GAO are community and consumer-focused nonprofit groups to which exchanges award grants to provide fair and impartial public education and refer consumers as appropriate for further assistance. Thousands of such people will have unfettered access to the data hub, but there are only sketchy guidelines on how they will be hired, trained, and monitored. Given the slapdash, incoherent way Obamacare is being implemented, the prospect for quality control is low. And the Obama administration's track record of sweetheart deals, no-bid, sole-source contracting, and other means of rewarding people with insider access means that the data hub will be firmly in the hands of trusted White House loyalists. So if you think the IRS targeting Tea Party groups was bad, just wait for the Obamacare navigators to be unleashed. Trust us. That's what the administration says. No one will abuse the data hub, sure, because that has worked out so well in the past. Scary information about Obamacare and this data hub. And I tell you, we were living in, in George Orwell's 1984. He was just 30 years early in his book and when he thought it was going to happen. We have Big Brother watching everything we do, watching where we're going in our cars, listening to our phone calls and emails and websites. And now all this information on our health care is going to be accessible by all these people. Quite amazing. And scary. And, you know, it's amazing that Americans have allowed this to happen. Is this the frog that's slowly being boiled? A little at a time, little incremental things at a time. And it didn't start with this administration. It started with the Bush administration. And maybe even before that. And I, I, I venture to guess, probably significantly before that, we were having the government snooping on us in various ways. But we're, we're witnessing the destruction of the finest healthcare system in the world by socialists. And socialism has never worked. Ask anybody in England who wants to get an operation. Ask people who live in Canada who have socialized medicine. And this is what this administration and its allies are hell-bent on bringing to us. And we're all going to suffer in many ways that nobody even knows yet. All right, at the end of our show, it goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us each and every Monday, 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit it each and every day. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next Monday and every Monday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.